so many men feel lost and unneeded because we haven't really given them what we do need from them. The paradigm has changed, right? We don't, women and the culture, we don't need men's paychecks. Like if, if your partner comes home and is like, hey, I lost my job, you're not going to be like, well, now we're going to starve. Nor do you need him to stand out front with a spear or a gun and be like, okay, no one's going to break into this house tonight. Like it's, it's pretty good. We got a lock and a security system. But that's in our DNA. But what we haven't said to men is here's actually how we do need you. We need you to be conscious. We need you to actually start healing. We need you to take responsibility for yourself and the wounds that you have because they are leading to all of the behaviors and the acting out and the terribleness that is continuing this process. Prophecies have foretold and wisdom keepers all know that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. Hey, hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. Oh my God, we have a juicy, juicy conversation for you today. Traver Bowen is the second man we have brought on to the Time of the Feminine podcast, and for very good reason. As you know from our last guest, we are choosing men that we deeply, deeply trust, men that have a very integrated feminine, and men that are really supportive of the healing that is taking place on the collective with masculine and feminine. Traver Bohem is a author of Today I Rise and Man Uncivilized. He's a two-time TEDx speaker, men's coach, and founder of the Uncivilized Men's Movement. The movement is radically redefining the way men around the globe experience their masculinity by uniquely blending both primal elements of manhood with massive doses of consciousness. Mmm, sounds yummy. Welcome, Traver. Thank you for having me. It's a great honor. So we were having a little bit of a conversation before this started, and so I just want to pick up where we left off. So as women who are listening know, this is a conversation of exploring the time of the feminine, the time on the planet where rebalancing is happening because we're reclaiming the lost feminine. And obviously the paradigm that we've been living in of masculine qualities being superior and exalted and therefore men has had an impact on women, clearly, an impact on the planet, but also a real, genuine impact on men. Mm. And so I just want to start on the very personal level. What has been your journey of 
healing the masculine wounds of this time and what brought you to the work that you do? Like, thank you for asking me. And before we dive in, thank you for having me on. Uh, I appreciate the, the space you're providing me to speak. Like so many, it feels like men who end up coming to a, a place of consciousness or an arrival of consciousness, mine came through pain. It came through loss. It came through, um, I was married, I had a child on the way and very quickly lost that pregnancy. And then the, a divorce followed right after. And so I hit that almost cliche, you know, I, I was just about to turn 40. I had everything I wanted. I checked all the boxes. I kicked all the asses. I'd done all the things and boom, lost it and had to really reconcile how happy was I? How fulfilled was I? How aware was I? And the answer to all of those questions was not very. And when I got really honest, it was, wow, I was miserable. I was addicted. I was unconscious. I was in so much pain, but had no access to it and no permission to access it. And then even if I could access it, no skill with which to deal with it or alchemize it. So why the hell would I access it? So I was your standard American white dude who'd quote, you know, hit the home runs, but yet after falling apart, realized, God, I didn't even want to play that game. So it was a long journey from there of all the, the classic things of, of, reading books I didn't read before, of taking workshops, of starting to listen and feel and work with other men, work with great teachers, both men and women, uh, and really dive into what is pain? Who am I? And this million dollar question, Lauren, that no one had ever asked me, but I think is very, very important. Who am I as a man? And what the hell does that question even mean? And that sent me down a rabbit hole, which here we are seven years later. Uh, I do have the answers to those questions, even though they may be evolving and changing. Um, but that was really my initiation, let's call it that word, was a massive amount of loss. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. And then what steps did you take? that led you to begin to work with men in the way you work with men these days? It was, you know, I can say, I was about to say it was by accident. It was by divine accident. I had a buddy challenge me to write a book about divorce. And just, he literally said I was, you know, the divorce was almost done. I'd done this wild year long project of self-discovery of, of all of these, you know, adventures, et cetera, learnings, healings, and at the end of it, I was depressed because I didn't know what to do next. And as a guy, this is a really important question of what are you going to do? Not just how are you going to feel or how are you going to be, but literally what are you going to do? And a buddy of mine challenged me to write nine or he challenged me to write 65 individual letters to the me who woke up two years prior and found out that day that my wife was leaving. And I went, Boom. And I spent the next six weeks sitting in front of a computer, crying, yelling, throwing things, just furiously typing. And I published that book through Amazon. It got no fanfare. It, Today I Rise has been read by like two dozen people. Uh, 
a little more than that, but that's that's how it felt, right? It was like I was waiting for like God, Oprah still hasn't called. But what did happen, what was so interesting about that book was men started reaching out to me. And I'd never had this in my life before. I was an acupuncturist, I ran a gym, I had a full female clientele for my entire life. But suddenly it was man after man after man saying, Hey, I'm going through a divorce. Your book is saving my life. Hey, I read in your book that you quit drinking. I'm thinking about quitting drinking, but I don't want to because it's scary. And so I had an entire year of any time a guy reached out to me, I would say, here's my phone number. Let's get on a call. An entire year of just talking to men. And they're like, wow, I, I feel you. I, wow, you're going through the same thing. Have you thought about this? Have you decided to look at it this way? I don't think you have a alcohol issue. I think you have an integrity issue. I don't think you and your wife hate each other. I think you live on different planets and you don't know how to connect. And for whatever reason, the year prior where I did all that work, I think I downloaded some information about men and the male conundrum and the male situation. And so finally, after a full year of conversations, one of these guys dropped a million dollar sentence and said, you know, you should probably charge for these phone calls. And I was like, charge for what? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just hanging out talking to dudes. Uh, but I started to, and I started writing down the conversations and looking for the themes and put that out into the world as this idea of what if we men looked, what if we, what if we found a new paradigm? If we went away from this 1950s Marlboro shutdown, no emotion, the feminine is weak, the feminine is bad, blah, blah, don't be a pussy, you got to just man up and cover it, that paradigm, or the sensitive new age kind of lost, driftless, I think you're in Austin, right? Like right. has a top knot yoga mat, some you know organic tea, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to pick on these guys has no direction, is is afraid of his own masculinity, mm -hmm. is afraid of who he is as a man, is afraid to lead, is afraid to be strong, is afraid to have boundaries. That man, mm -hmm. what if we found a third paradigm? And since it didn't exist, what if I create it? And it's not, it's not just the primal and it's not just the divine, but it's the middle ground. And I threw this idea out on social media and that was four or five years ago and immediately my life changed because I got flooded with inbox over in like you know hundreds if not thousands of messages people asking me to come speak people asking if they could work with me women's groups asking if I could come in and talk to them and it just went and this is in response to what what did you post i just posted what if we took both of these ideas and threw them out and put a and put a new one out mm. and I, i'll call it uncivilized what if instead of saying you can only go left or you can only go right what if we took the best of both and we walked down the middle Cool. So we have this guy who's engaged with who he is physically. He's primal. He understands that my body, testosterone, has certain ways it's going to make me be in the world. But what is what if what have we cut off from society as men? Mm -hmm. We live, and I imagine you'll be able to relate to this. We live Monday through Friday from the neck up. We live Saturday and Sunday from the waist down. But what about this part in the middle? What about our hearts? What about emotional intelligence? What about intimacy? What about consciousness? What about this wild F word called feelings? What if we engaged in all three? <laughs> and that's mm. what set the fire. 
I have I have a question around that because what sure. I I love about this is it's so solutions oriented, right? Like it's not so much hovering in the problem as much as it is showing a new way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually a huge differentiator with a lot of what I see just in general because it's e- really easy to call it the problem. You can go mm-hmm. anywhere and mm-hmm. see the problem. And so what is it that made you specifically like solutions oriented and to create that and to create that way of being. You know, Shana, when I was first just like touching on this stuff, I was living in Brooklyn and it was right when it was the height of Me Too. And I am a huge fan of Me Too. I think it definitely need all of this needed to come to light. But what kept happening for me was I would read every morning a new article about the men are broken, the boys are lost, men are bad, so-and-so is a piece of shit. And I would wait for the bottom paragraph that said, and here's what we do about it. And I literally remember telling my roommate at the time, this amazing guy named Adam Cobb, I was like, no one tells us what to do about it. You know what? I think I know what to do about it. I'm going to tell us what to do about it. And he was super motivated and was like, do it. I dare you to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And that's what what started it. I was so frustrated. I'm like, well, what are we going to do about it? Or are we just going to keep having this circular conversation? And then two years from now, three years from now, five years from now, we have another me too. Because we haven't said to men, hey, this is how you live differently. This is how you actually get to become part of this change as opposed to, by the way, you're bad. By the way, you're wrong. By the way, this thing, even if you're not involved in this, just by collective nature, you're part of the problem. Oh, but you want to know how to be part of the solution? And we're not going to tell you that. Don't worry about that. We're just going to keep hammering that you're the problem. Yeah, because it seems like it, what it does is it allows the power that was like tripping to integrate. You know, sure. And so there's like alignment and clarity and direction and focus and all the beautiful things that the masculine energy can provide, but mm-hmm. with without the direction. And so it's cool because you brought that, that, you know, that arrow, like, let's go here, let's touch that. And I really respect that a lot. Thank you. So let's take a deep dive into the wound. Mm. You know, the, you know, obviously we were talking about the Me Too movement. It's, we know what the feminine wound is. And it's pretty, easy for women, especially women who are on healing journeys to identify the wound in men too. But I want to hear from you what you feel you and the brothers you work with, what are you really working on? What's really alive in the collective consciousness of men? It's mm, a great question. Thank you. There are a couple facets to it. First is men experience pain. That notion is still, we're still playing with it collectively. Maybe we understand it on the coasts, but we don't really understand it in the middle, right? It's that guys, things have happened to you. You have been traumatized with a small T. You may have been traumatized with a big T. Now here's so much of the wound you are never allowed to speak of it. In fact, even if it did happen to you, which we're going to doubt because how could it happen to you because you're a male? It's really not that important. Mm. 
There's no space for you to release this. There's no one to talk to you about it. You are on your own with that. That thing happened to you, one, too damn bad, and figure it out yourself. That's the old model, right? That's still what I bump into a lot with men. And even if I can give you the kind of continuum of working with guys over the past five years, specifically in workshops, five years ago, if I asked how many guys here were sexually abused as children or as young men, not a hand would go up. I just got chills. Three years ago, if I asked that question, someone would come up after the workshop and say, hey, I didn't really want to talk about it, but that happened to me. A year ago, you get two hands that go up. And so I think we're sitting on, look at it, my arm is like razor. If uh, We're just sitting on the tip of the iceberg and that's just mm -hmm. sexual assault. Mm -hmm. Right mm -hmm. now, having worked with thousands of men, the stories I hear of the abuse, the trauma, or even just, you know, I work a lot with law enforcement and first responders who just that community is like, you better toughen up and figure this out. Or if you come to your superior and say, hey, by the way, uh, two weeks ago, I walked into a house and there were three murdered kids and I can't sleep. Like that guy is now going to get taken off the job or he's going to get demoted. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's so much pain in the male collective because culturally we haven't just given the space to say, Hey, you're allowed to feel that. And by the way, this is a necessity. This is a requirement that you actually work through this. Instead we go drink it away, smoke it away, fuck it away, play video, just bury it, whatever you do, bury it. So that's the biggie. And I think a more nuanced conversation right now, especially, is so many men feel lost and unneeded because we haven't really given them what we do need from them. The paradigm has changed, right? We don't, women and the culture, we don't need men's paychecks. Like if, if your partner comes home and is like, hey, I lost my job, you're not going to be like, well, now we're going to starve. Nor do you need him to stand out front with a spear or a gun and be like, okay, no one's going to break into this house tonight. Like it's, it's pretty good. We got a lock and a security system. But that's in our DNA. But what we haven't said to men is here's actually how we do need you. We need right. you to be conscious. Mm -hmm. We need you to actually start healing. We need you to take responsibility for yourself and the wounds that you have because they are leading to all of the behaviors and the acting out and the terribleness that is continuing this process. That's how we need you. Right. I, I kind of joke with this and say, we, we men, we're like German shepherds. You give us a bone, you give us a purpose, you give us something to do. And we're like, Oh, 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 oh look at us. Look at us. We're kicking ass. Today's the best day ever. Right. But no purpose, no bone. What do we do? We go chew up the couch we pee on it. Or what we're seeing now with the collapse of so many men, we go lie in the corner depressed and we wait to die. Mm -hmm. And so we not only don't get the contribution of that man, but we as a society now have to caretake him. Mm. Wow. We don't want to do either. You spoke beautifully. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. I have two really important questions in that. Well, what it makes me think of is just the generational trauma of war and 
just even if men are not experiencing war, our grandfathers did, maybe even our fathers did. Mm-hmm. And so just that programming is so deep and so heavy. And so, yeah, there's there's that. And then what I also heard was the lack of initiation into the new time. Mm-hmm. There's still this whole like, okay, I have to like, you know, I used to be a warrior with you know, my, my ax and now I need to be a warrior with money. Mm. But what happens if that's actually, I think there's like a, a realization in men that actually that's not the most needed thing. And so there's maybe even a disenchantment. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's it's, this like, and yeah, go ahead, Shana. It, well, I was just going to say what, what you were saying before was it's like the game that you were playing was the wrong game. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, how do you initiate people into the new game? Even get, right. get, tell them what the game is right. and then get them to be oriented and, you know, aware enough to be able mm-hmm. to navigate right. in a new way. And then, a thousand percent. and then the importance of not just women telling men what to do, but men brotherhood mm-hmm. being like, Hey, this stuff has happened. We can change the story. We can speak about this. Mm -hmm. So I would love you to speak about initiation and also Mm -hmm. brotherhood because Mm -hmm. that's literally what we do here for women. And so I want to hear about that process for men. Yeah, for sure. First, let me thank you for bringing up uh, the generational trauma from war. It is so massive and so underspoken about. And I'm in my 40s. So for guys my age or around my age, my grandfather was at Normandy, right? Imagine the things he saw as a 19-year-old, which I remember being 19 and thinking I knew everything and I was a fully-fledged adult. And now I look at 19-year-olds and go, oh, wow, you went off and saw 80% of your platoon slaughtered in front of you. And this happened over the course of two or three years. And then you came home and they were like, okay, get a job, get after it. Or my dad's generation, excuse me, which was told like, you either go to Vietnam or you go to jail. This is, this is what you do. And then they came home and were spit on and and had all kinds of terrible, uh, terrible challenges and zero mental health help. Zero. And that just got passed down and passed down and passed down. So thank you for bringing that up. So let's talk about initiation. There used to be at some point, in every point in human history, with us, with men, uh, a time when there was a separation event that said, you were a boy, you lived with the women, you lived with the children. Now we are going to take you out of that environment. And if you read on classic initiation rites, or what is an initiation? An initiation is a controlled death. So this is going to be an extreme experience. We're going to take you, we're going to pluck you in the middle of the night from the women's hut. We're going to take you out in the woods, all us men. We're going to put you through something that's going to be hard as hell. It's going to break you down. It's going to kick your ass. It's going to challenge you in ways you've never been challenged before. And then we're going to teach you of the new ways. You are now a man. This is what you are responsible for. This is what we're going to ask of you. This is your new job. This is your new job outline. This is your new role. Now here's the missing piece too. Here's the key piece. We're going to take you back to society where you will be embraced 
by other initiated people. Now think of the cliche term that we have today around men. Oh, that's a 35 or a 14-year-old running around in a 35-year-old's body, isn't it? 12-year-old boy in a 30-year-old man's body. And we can laugh and go like, well, that's kind of harsh. Or go, wow, you literally are that. That is where your emotional development stopped. And so if we combine the two of what we talked about earlier of saying perhaps your emotional development stopped at 12 because something really bad happened to you or something bad enough to stunt you, but then we also asked you to perform a job and we never gave you the job role. We never gave you the job description. We never gave you the responsibilities. We never told you what it would be. And so how are we then going to look at you and go, well, why can't you do it? without some onus on ourselves. So I actually run a workshop called The Initiation for just this purpose where we tell guys, like, we're, we're going we're gonna to fuck you up a little bit this weekend. No, we're not going to play a Navy SEAL and make you run around in the surf and hold the logs over your head. We're going to make you talk about stuff you don't want to talk about in a circle of men. We're going to make you share shit that you've told nobody else on earth. That's your initiation. As a man, that is your requirement. And oh, by the way, you other 20 guys, you're as responsible for his well-being in this moment and in this weekend as you are for your own, right? You are initiated into a place in society where you have a role. Like we are, yes, we're, we're complex humans, us men, but we're not complicated. Give us a role. Tell us what to do. Tell us why we're doing it. Give us some community and support around us and we'll actually thrive. Now, if we don't have that and we have this ethereal Peter Pan, Puerturnus lost boy, on some level, he knows there's a disconnect. And so how does he cover that up? He drinks, he gets high, plays video games. He dates 50 women in the same week. He does everything, every cliche thing that's, problematic. But now if we add in, oh, by the way, you got molested when you were six and you can't tell anybody because they'll make fun of you. Now we have the recipe for a school shooter. Now we have the recipe for a rapist. Now we have a recipe for someone who's going to do real significant damage in society. So to me, initiation is this, and I've studied it. I've read up on Francis Weller has this huge piece on it, which I've studied in a men's group. And went, oh my God, this is, this is so, so missing. And if I can share a really fast story, uh, a couple of years ago, I got to be a part of initi- an initiation, which at the time, this was, this was actually 10 years ago. I didn't know what was happening. But a, a man I, I love and trusted, his son was turning 13. And so what he did, because people ask about this all the time. I just got chills again. He positioned 12 men a mile apart all through this town. I was 250 yards out in the ocean sitting on a surfboard. Another guy was up in a mountain. Another guy was up like, you know, 50 flights of stairs. And what he would do is walk with his son to the point where he got to one of us. And for me, and and by the way, his son was a water polo player. So he could actually, you could swim. He wasn't just like, all right, go out in the ocean. And his kids swam out to me and he sat on the board. And for half an hour, I talked to him about what I thought it meant to be a man. And what now his responsibilities were going to be and what I thought he could do with himself and kind of gave him some encouragement and ended it by saying, I'm now in your life forever. 
Like, I know you're 13 and you may not have a cell phone, but you're going to get my phone number at the end of this. And at the end of this night, which took this kid from, you know, 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., he had gotten 12 different men's opinions, advice, encouragement. And at the end of it, he knew, I'm going to get choked up on this. At the end of it, he also knew he had 12 men at any time when he was in trouble, when he was confused, when he was whatever, he could access us. That's like the sweetest thing. Right? Imagine now if we have that as opposed to what's your initiation? Let's get you drunk and get you laid because you're about to turn 18 or you're about to turn 16 or whatever it is. Or let's throw you in the military. Where you're most likely going to get further traumatized in boot camp because you're just going to get yelled at and get hung out with, or you're going to hang out with a lot of other people in the same mindset. So yeah, I think it's huge. There are all of these components that are creating the conundrum we have right now. Mm. So do you think about doing work with boys, like, or what we could do to further educate and initiate our young men? A thousand percent. I personally don't, but I have guys who are doing it. I want to get the guys who are my age, my level. Uh, I speak brashly. I drop a lot of F-bombs. I used to fight in a cage. I have a very masculine background that when I can hit, I want to get the guys who are going to pick up a gun Mm. today. Like that's who I'm after. But Mm. I do have people who are working with youth right now. Mm. So when you when you find those men that you speak of, I imagine that there's like tremendous amount of walls. Like I feel it energetically as you say it. So how do you even begin to start peeling back the layers? I look them in the eye and I tell them about some of the gnarly shit that's happened to me. And say, you know what? That might not have happened, what happened to you. But I know what it's like to drive my ex-wife home from an emergency emergency room after losing a kid. I know what fucking pain is. And by the way, I'm 190 pounds and can probably snap your neck, so you should probably listen to me. <laughs> and it's that combination that we need. We need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We as, I need to look at someone and go like, all right, I'm a little bit afraid of you. And you've kind of been through some of the same shit I have. Now I respect you. Now I will listen to you. Mm. It's interesting. I love hearing you speak because you feel like – the the yin the yang to my yin in many ways like i we do very similar work and the difference between women is women need to feel f- safe mm-hmm. women that's what's a really interesting like men need a challenge women need their their nervous systems to feel relaxed enough to open up that's interesting do you see a, what do you see in that regard with men like they they need to know that you're, they need to witness that you're being courageous by opening up. And then that's a challenge to get themselves to open up rather than something that's soft mm-hmm. and sweet. It's like a, a safe challenge in a way. It's, it's both Lauren. Yeah. Like there needs to be a level of ferocity mm-hmm. to inspire, to light the flame in us. Mm-hmm. But these are very safe circles. These are very right. safe places. And you'd be shocked how quickly if we get a group of 20 men and circle them up. And this is what happens in the opening, in the intro. One of my teaching partners, this amazing guy named Michael Gay, will read a poem. And then all he says is, some things are too big to be carried alone. 
and you'll get two guys that drop right there. Heads drop, tears coming, mm-hmm. hands shaking, just that. Now we've mm-hmm. set the weekend up, but we didn't open. That's not like, hey, everybody, okay, we're here. Hey, nice to meet you. Circle up. Here we go. Right, of course. We've done some stuff the day before to get them tapped into their their primal nature, to get them tapped into their bodies, into their muscles, into their their own physical strength. Like I think we need to have the ferocity layered into the foundation. That's what makes us feel safe. Right. It's this, it's the meeting of, it's, it's hard, it's so hard to articulate, but there's an intensity in the gaze when you meet a man's eyes in this way that says like, I love you so fucking much. I'm not going to let you back down from this. Now you have permission to sob in my arms. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the brotherhood bond that is formed in war. It's like we're in a new war and this mm-hmm. one is an emotional landscape and I'm with you in it. Exactly. I literally just wrote, it's the first line of a very unique book called The Way of Men. And the first line in it is, the way of men is the way of the gang. And it gets misinterpreted all the time. But what he's saying is we are supposed to do this stuff together. We actually need to do this stuff together. This lone wolf mentality, this I can do it on my own mentality is a new iteration that just didn't work. And when we do get together, and we do, it's a mix, right? It's a mix of like clapping backs and a push-up competition. And then, okay, who's ready to actually hope open up and talk about that thing? It is the teamwork. It is the collective. It is the brotherhood. And what do we not have now? And I, I am not a warring person by any means. We need something to rub up against. We need something to do together to overcome, which is why we're saying to the collective of men, our mountain of pain that was like, oh, that didn't exist in the 80s. That's the new war. Yeah. That's Oof. the new battleground. It's here. Right? It's, it's, it's literally in that space I was talking about. It's in our hearts. We've, we've done all the things. We've gone to Mars, haven't we? Or like supposedly gone to the moon. We've, we've done all of the things. Conquered all the things. We've conquered all of the things. And look where we are. Mm-hmm. We are at record depression rates, record addiction rates, record OD rates, record, record prison rates, record everything negative rates. So now we have to turn that focus back in, inward and say, guys, you want, it? you want to show how fucking tough you are? You want to show how brave you are? And I've done this with guys who have literally fought in wars who have said, this work in the circle, opening up and talking about what happened to me, that is the scariest thing I've ever faced. So pull up that warrior archetype, brother. Pull them in and recognize that when your hand is shaking, like that's time to go. I'm curious about that fear. Like why is that so scary? Like what's the deep underlying thing that they're afraid of? Being out of control. Mm. Being embarrassed. Being humiliated being shamed, right? How often did we grow up thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of times showing any tiny bit of emotion and getting punched for it, punched in the arm, thrown in the dirt, being called whatever, shamed for it. It's that feeling again that they're so afraid of. But if we, and and I'm sure you can speak on it further than I can, that the feminine is free flowing, out of control, wild, all the things. And we're like, wait a minute, how do we control this? I'm having an emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
technically in my logical brain, if it's happening and it's happened for more than three seconds, it may happen forever. And so why don't I just shut it down? Ah, That was a close one. I almost died. (laughs) And so we even have to give men the the basics of, hey, this thing that you're feeling, you're probably going to feel it for like 90 seconds. And I promise you, no one's died from feeling. Like, you're not going to be the first. And by the way, we're going to do, we're going to rewrite the societal narrative that has shamed and teased and humiliated you. And we're going to celebrate you at the end of this thing. You're going to cry in front of us and we're going to high five you. We're going to hug you. We're going to hold you over our heads and exalt you. And then let that guy go back to his community, to his police department, to his family. And he's now the beacon. He's the lighthouse that says, hey, it's okay. What you're feeling, that's okay. Hell fucking And I've seen yeah. this ripple effect, right? I've seen it. But yeah, it's scary. Like emotion's scary for us. Like a whole different mm-hmm. deal. I would used to give guys, like I still give guys like physical challenges. Like, you know, I need you to run a mile a day for a month. And they're like, yeah. Like, okay, answer this question for me. <laughs> Tell me the one thing you wish your dad had said that he'd never said. And they're like, bro, I'm not fucking doing that. Are you insane? You want me to die? Like, <laughs> So what's really interesting is the way, you know, we have genders of, of male and, and female, obviously. We have men, women, and then we all grew up in this paradigm, right, that we're talking about that has shut down the feelings of men. But there's also masculine wounds that both genders share and feminine wounds that both genders share. A lot of women are terrified of of being out of control with their feelings, being too much, too big, not enough, being cast out and shamed. So this is definitely a collective wound where I feel like there's a meeting ground. Mm. And I think that meeting ground happens most intimately and most intensely in romantic relationships mm. and in a sexual encounter. And so, my friends, let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may mean. I'm so glad you sang and I didn't have to sing that. You sing now. Your turn. (laughs) Let's just dive in. (laughs) So, do you feel me on what I just said, like the meeting ground of the... We have our collective wounds that are our personal wounds and our collective wounds that are magnetized to each other so that there can be that alchemical healing. And that's part of the magnetism. That's part of the attraction, but it's also Mm. a part of the repulsion. Mm. And so I'm curious about, you know, I guess I'm just curious. Let's maybe let's just start at the basics. I know as a woman, my journey has been terrified. I've had this story that a man can a man can want me. He can want to like flirt with me and treat me like a goddess and and take me to the bedroom and do all of that and he can fall in love with me, but his affections will not last. Mm. That has been my story. Mm. And I know that a lot of women can share that story or some version of that. And so there's this like shadow aspect of the feminine to try to like clamp Mm. and hold and be like keep like and then and manipulation you know Mm. we've been really great at 
manipulating and enticing and batting our eyelashes in such a way or even competing with each other for a man's attention. So that's the shadow of the feminine. Let's, and obviously we know some of the shadow of the masculine, but let's break down to the really healthy, normal, like the really good things about a man's sexual drive Mm. and a man's attraction because it's different than the way a woman works often. And let's just kind of learn more about like the good and then kind of understand where we can reclaim the good from some of the shadow. So you asking what is positive about male sexual attraction or men's sex drive? Uh, I guess my com- my question is not very clear. I'm wanting to dive into you know some of the main issues that men and women face together and then some of the out of some of what can be shadowed where the at where is the positive you know like the okay i think i understand you know what i'm saying? saying yeah if i can just speak to two of the main <clears throat> insecurities isn't a big enough word like terrors let's call them in the sexual space with men is first we aren't really given a guidebook of female all the things. Well, we are. It's called Pornhub. Right. So it's and which is wildly in itself all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we've taken out. We've we've told young men, especially, if you don't know how to please a woman, pleasure a woman, satisfy a woman, engage a woman. Period. Not even worrying about your own system. If you don't know how to do that, we are going to annihilate you socially. We're going to shame you. We're going to make fun of you. It's going to be on Facebook. Oh, by the way, any part of your anatomy that isn't up to Pornhub Pornhub standards, that's also going to be a huge. It's going to be public. You know, forty-five minutes after you meet somebody. So now let's walk into this encounter knowing you probably have no idea what to do. And you have very, and you're just like praying that if I can just be blunt, your dick is big enough and it stays hard for the entire time. You don't come too fast, but you also don't take too long because like, so you're just in this middle perfect ground and this will all be on social media tomorrow if you fuck it up. So that's a, and that's, that's part A. I would say part B, which spoke a little bit more to what you said specifically, we eight out of 10 male suicides come after a breakup or a divorce. So think about that. Our deepest, one of our deepest, most unspoken fears is that we can do all of this. We can go in the bedroom. It can be amazing. We can fall in love with each other and you're going to leave. And if you do, I'm going to die, right? I don't, I won't have the skill set to handle it. I won't have the emotional intelligence to handle it. I certainly won't have a community around me to support me to handle it. And so there's a lot in the backpack of a guy walking into a bedroom. That's just like, well, huh, I'm curious why you're up in your head and, and confused and terrified and all the things. So you've had four gin and tonics, two Viagras, and you've you know spent the morning looking at porn to get yourself hyped up. And there's absolutely zero connection or conversation or... <clears throat> Yeah, I'd say relationship with this human that you're about to engage in the most intimate act on earth with. So I think out of that, though, 
comes when we do pop the bubble and say, oh, by the way, you're both dealing with some insecurities, some, some challenges, some worries, some shame, so I'm, uh, some expectations, some hopes, some dreams, some things. By the way, you're actually engaging in this act with another human being. Like That's one thing I would love to tell however old the legal age is for everybody, because I won't say under it, even though people are having sex below it. Let's just say all humans. Of let's let's especially for men who have spent tens, if not tens of thousands of hours watching porn, which has completely disconnected them from any kind of feeling. It's just eyes and dick, right? Like that's all that's going on in that for so we've been we have how many tens of thousands of hours of reps of that. And then like but you're wait a minute, you're a you're a, you you move you wait. Fuck, I don't know. Oh boy, and then throw the expectation in the backpack, and it's it's a bit of a mess. Yeah, so I just want to say one little thing about porn, and then we can continue on this track that we're on. So I had this great privilege of going to the UN for the Commission of the Status of Women in 2016, and I attended many different panels around sexual abuse, sex trafficking, and I attended one on porn. And I attended one that was fascinating because it actually studied the trauma of boys, little boys who started watching porn at a very young age as their first sexual exposure. Mm. They have done many studies that it says it leads to date rape actually because of exactly what you're speaking of and then drinking and and not knowing. And what they said actually was that when a man, a boy has his first love and they're about to start this, they have this expectation of what sex is supposed to look like. And naturally the girl doesn't like that. Mm. It's not enjoyable for her. It's scary for her. And so something happens in their relationship and that's actually what can lead. This is hypothetical, but that can lead to date rape. So Mm. it's a really fascinating study of how porn impacts the brains of boys. Mm. And also, if you get a little woo here, actually, energetically, most, I'm going to say a high percentage of women who are in porn have had sexual trauma, a high percentage. And so you're also seeing that trauma play out and we're getting turned on, like that we're getting turned on by trauma. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that in itself is a really interesting thing because obviously there's not watching sex per se is it necessarily a traumatic act or a bad thing there's no moral judgment there it's the frequency that it's taking place in that i think creates the trauma Mm. yeah there's a lot to it you know Mm -hmm. i had a woman hire me to speak to her 15 year old and one of the main impetuses was she had found all of this porn on his phone. And long story short, at the end, he backed out and said he didn't want to actually talk to somebody. And she said, what can I tell him about this? Like, I don't, his dad's out of the picture. Like, what can I do? I said, if I would leave him with, if you can just have one takeaway, tell him it's not real. That this isn't real. This isn't, this isn't, this is like watching Tom Cruise jump out of an airplane and like land on something on his tippy toes and then shoot. It's like, it's as, as fantastical and fabricated as that. 
because I remember being 15 and I've talked to guys who are much older than that who are like, man, can you believe these documentary porn companies that like drive around and find a girl sitting at the bus stop in a bikini. And what do you know, 15 minutes later, she's having sex. Like I've driven around to all these bus stops and I don't, and like, Oh, you thought that was real. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I have to laugh about that. <laughs> please, <laughs> please laugh. I remember like, Oh, oh it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, 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 oh yeah. man. But that's just at the core. None of this is real. Mm-hmm. Right, But if we go back to your original question of what's the good that can come of this, right? the good that can come of this is dropping the expectation and saying, actually having a conversation with somebody mm. of, hey, t- tell me about your body. Tell me about what turns you on. Tell me about some of your, your fears and your anxieties and your turn-ons. Tell me who you are as a person at your deepest level. And I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm going to tell you like, Hey, I'm a little bit nervous here and that's okay. Hey, I'm not really sure. I, I, I have questions for you. So I think it leads to the curiosity is what will lead to this depth of intimacy and the depth of intimacy will also then rewrite the reps to help us heal. So that if I can't get it up, And my partner's like, that's okay. Truly, that's okay. And then I get to heal the time when it might have happened when I was 22. And my partner was like, what the hell's the matter with you? Aren't you a man? Right? Speaking hypothetically here. But how, and whatever our situations may be. But I think we need to come at this with equal footing of men actually, we need to know what turns us on beyond just friction. Like I ask guys all the time, like if if you had to be turned on and your dick had nothing to do with it, what would you want from your partner? And they're like, well, what do you mean? My dick had nothing to do with it. Like, well, <laughs> imagine that wasn't part of the thing. Like, where else do you like to be touched? How else do you like to be touched? How do you like to be spoken to? What smells do you like? What sounds do you like? Like, oh, what if what if suddenly it, you just it didn't work? And you had to figure out other things in the room to touch your partner with, or your you know, how would you craft this scenario? And it's, it's, the, it's eye-opening to them, as it was for me when I first dove into different forms of sexuality other than just penetration or just friction. And so I think we get to have that conversation with men, and then we get to drop in a key word, which hasn't really been in the conversation until re- recently, and that's how do you make your partner feel safe? Mm-hmm. And not just like, doors locked, alarms on, we're good <laughs> to go, aren't we? Like, how does this human who is going to be in one of the most vulnerable states, positions we want to call it, uh, of her life, how do you make her feel? How do you help her feel safe? Not make her feel safe, but how do you facilitate safety? So let's start from the bottom up as opposed to, okay, guys, here's what you do. Two kisses on the neck, the neck, grab the nipple, then you're down. You're good. All right, we got got this. Welcome to conscious sexuality. And don't forget doors locked because she's got to feel safe. Let's go from the bottom up. Yeah. Did that answer your question or did I just ramble for like 15 minutes about (laughs) stuff? (laughs) That that answered some of the questions in a very great way. And I'm going to pass to Shana now because I think she's going to expand probably here. And then I have another question. Well, what what I really enjoyed about that is it's like, okay, entry level sex, right? 
not emotions yet. There's no emotions here. We're just talking about this experience of like the physical act. Mm -hmm. And what I've been experiencing, and this is my own personal relationships, is the fear of intimacy, the fear of opening your heart. You know, okay, great. The sex part works. They've figured it out. They know how to make that work almost like it's programmed. Almost like they mm-hmm. think they can figure it out at all times. It's like a game, another game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. Then what about <laughs> when it comes to like opening the heart? Like we were t- just sharing about emotions, like mm-hmm. how, you know, there's that fear of being shamed or yeah, that's going to get posted about on Facebook. Like that fear is also alive in the emotional realm as well. So it's like it just feels like these walls that you have to move through and it's yeah, it's fascinating to hear you speak because it almost like flashes experiences through my mind of things that have happened to me where I'm like, oh, that's what was happening there. Mm. <laughs> fascinating. So I'm curious mm. about that, like when you get to that next level, how a man can begin to open his heart and allow himself to feel safe. Mm. Is, are you talking in the sexual realm or just beyond it? In, yeah, any realm? It's both. Yeah. I guess it's a yes and. Okay. And let's take it out of the bedroom first. And just imagine if you had been celebrated 10,000, 100,000 times for using your right hand. And then suddenly you got in relationship and the other partner was like, I want you to do everything with your left hand. That's us going from logic to emotion. It's, it's not our nature. It's not natural. And it's not what's been conditioned over and over and over and over. We're good at compartmentalizing. It is, we have, we, it, compartmentalizing will lead to success. Removing emotion and comp- compartmentalizing will lead to success as a man. And culturally, a lot of times we need men to be able to do that. You want to go fight the war? I can't have you mm. like deep in your heart and feeling your feelings. Oh, California's on fire and we need 10,000 of you to go run into the fire and try to put it out. And by the way, 5% of you are going to die or get burned or watch your buddies burn. We can't have you feel like deep in your heart and feeling your feelings. So the challenge now though, is to say, Hey, you and I are on our fifth date and we're sitting on the couch and we really like each other for my brain to go. I don't think I'm about to fight a fire in California. It's okay to actually feel something right now. And so one is the permissionary aspect. Two, it's just a skill, Shana. Like we men need to be taught by men. Again, like I need to look at the guy over there and be like, I think you're feeling feelings and you're not dying. And you look like me. You smell like me. You have shoulders like me. I saw you peeing at the urinal. Huh. Okay. Maybe I too can feel my feelings and not die. And so we need these like little drops. It's like, uh, what's the stuff you put under your tongue? Uh, you know, like os- homeopathy. Home- thank you. It's like we need homeopathy for emotions for men because it's not our nature. We're not going to be celebrated for it. But yet, I will say this openly, and I say it to men once you have access to this area, once you have access to your feelings, and you realize that, wow, this is a beautiful part of life. It's literally like watching a black and white TV to turning on HD color. I'm like, holy shit. I had a really great day. I didn't do anything, but I felt all of this stuff. Or I did all of these things and I felt all of this stuff at the same time. This is amazing. 
Now, if we take that and put it in the bedroom, where again, we've been conditioned and repped to perhaps not feel anything other than physical because it may be overwhelming or what if it's confusing or what if the two clash, that it's a different, it's a different set of skills that that man needs. I used to speak, and I'll say this to you guys, speak very openly about a situation that I found, I thought I was alone in until I met other guys who were willing to talk about it, which was we, I could have sex with anybody, just a complete stranger, no problem. And then go out on a date and be like, wow, I really like her. Go out on a second date and be like, wow, I think I really like her. Go out on date three and be like, I really like her. We're in the be- in the bedroom mm-hmm. and uh, nothing's working. Mm-hmm. I am... A, a rope and it's got no tautness in it. I can't feel, I, Hey buddy, what's going on? This is like three weeks ago we were hitting home runs and, and what's going on and had to realize that there was a disconnect that my heart and my cock weren't speaking because I'd learned to separate the two to go you here in the heart. Like you got to stay out of this because you end up just getting us broken up with divorced, hurt, all the things. So in the relationship realm, let's just leave you on the back shelf. Dick, this is your time. You ready? All right, let's do this. And it took integrating that and it took conversations. It took conversations with future partners. I remember telling a woman who I was dating, like, hey, this is, I really like you. So I may not be able to have sex with you for like the first three times. This is weird, but sorry, this is just how I work. And then running into other guys were like, that's you too, the same thing. And then going, okay, and now I don't think I could have sex without emotion. Mm. It would it would be it would be like eating cup noodle or something. You know, it would just be like, okay, there's no nutrition here, there's no nourishment here. But most guys don't know this, right? Again, you're not seeing this on Pornhub. He's not looking in the camera and being like, I just feel so much joy and so much love and a little bit of sadness and and so much connection and intimacy here. We're not, we're not getting, or we're not hanging around the bar, you know, the next night and be like, oh man, how was last night? Oh man, the best sex of my life. I was, there were tears flowing down my face and, you know, I had a hand on my heart, like, but it's starting because those conversations are shifting because we're not, well, a lot of us aren't dumb creatures. We can actually look at the statistics and go, well, we're not doing that well doing it our way, doing it the way we've always done it, it's leading to these results. So if we want to change the results, hmm, we're all getting 80% of divorces are female-led. Huh, maybe we need to learn to connect and be in a different way in the world. So it's starting. And we're getting to the heart of my question here. Oh, please, please. Yes, I love what you said about the disconnect between, I think you said dick and heart, actually. And the integration of that, because to me, that's just like head and heart. And then there's this sexual drive, right? And you said both things, like you said that compartmentalizing is in man's nature and it's also been conditioned. And I have a curiosity about actually if it is nature or if it is just generational conditioning, that that's Mm -hmm. the trauma in itself. Mm -hmm. It's become like a superpower, the compartmentalization, because in with the duties presented that became an evolutionary necessity to compartmentalize to survive and now that those now that we see clearly that those duties are actually we don't 
we don't want to actually perpetuate that kind of illusion that the duty now is to reprogram and become more integrated sexually with mm -hmm. the heart, with the mind. And so we're in this interesting phase and I am so grateful to have amazing men in my life, Traver. Amazing men. I have an amazing, beautiful partner. I have amazing role models that are men, my brothers, my cousin. Like I have men in my life that are my friends. They're just amazing men. So I'm watching them on this journey as they're watching me on my feminine reclamation and my healing. And one thing that I'm so curious about is the, the, the nature of sexual urges for men and the thing around like needing novelty, which feels real in some ways, novelty and growth and adventure. And then also the, the shutting down of sexuality because of the feeling of, oh, I can't be attracted to another woman other than my partner or, oh, I need to learn how to like, when there's not an education of how to wield that, that primal energy in a new way, it could either be like shut down, shoved aside, um, out, go out through addictions in different, in ways. And I, I have a, I feel protective of men in this way. Like I want them to have their vitality and to have life force and feel like they have freedom and that they can feel that attraction and transmute it. Like I want that for men mm -hmm. because that creates potency and aliveness and creativity. But I, I think it's such a new study that men are in of like, how do you actually do that? Hmm. So I'd love you to speak to that. We, the new level of consciousness around sexual drive, if I can speak to that first, is you can feel it and don't have to do anything about it. Like just that sentence is different than what I grew up with. Right? I grew up with, if you're feeling it, do something about it. You're aroused. You either have to have sex. You have to go jerk off. You have to take care of it. There's nowhere else. It needs to go. Where, where, where are you going to put it? You're going to walk around with an erection everywhere? You, it's, that's frowned upon in supermarkets. Right? So what are you going to do with it? As opposed to, and then again, if we throw in just the shame on top of it, of say I'm in a relationship and she's not around and I'm feeling this, then, oh my God, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad guy. I'm disloyal. I'm, I'm cheating by thinking. So if we get rid of some of the old school, and I'll just put it on religious shame around it or monogamous shame around it, and then tell guys, this is fuel. It is the same creative force that you're going to use to write your book, to start your company, to paint a painting, to go to the gym and work out. It is creative energy, creation energy, creative energy, same thing. And also learn how to handle it. Meaning learn to have that much charge in your body and be okay. Like I'm okay. I don't need to like rub myself up against anything right now. I have a lot of charge in my body, but I can hold it. But that's also a skill thing. Right? Men need to learn like, hey, we're going to get you to an emotional point. We're going to get you to a quote aroused point, maybe not, not sexually. And what do you know? You can sit here and you can still breathe, can't you? I'm going to teach you how to breathe. That's, I think, step one of just giving men permission. Like, hey, when you feel this, just breathe. 
we've run a lot of guys through like no masturbation challenges or no porn challenges and be like, Hey, what are you going to do with this now? You can do something physical or you can do something creative. So, but uh, Lauren, we're behind in this. Like it's, it's new. It's so new where a lot of guys just think it's stupid. A lot of guys will literally say, if you're not jerking off a couple times a week, it's unhealthy. Like that's, you know, it's the classic, it's going to rot your mind. It's going to poison you. You got to get the poison out as opposed to tell me about your life. What are you doing with yourself? What are you building? What are you growing? What are you, how are you inspiring? Oh, you're not. Okay. Well, maybe you shouldn't be jerking off 12 times a week then. Maybe there's a different, different, this is a, a fuel source that you can use in a different way rather than just eliminating and getting rid of because, oh, look at you. You don't know how to, you can't handle it. No one ever taught you to take three deep breaths and get on with your day. Does that make sense? 150%. And thank you for your transparency and the amount of honesty you are about where men are. You know, I mean, I feel that there is pioneering work being done with so many different individuals right now. I believe the work you do, I believe Global Sisterhood is pioneering as well. And so it's just like, and it's so it's everywhere. People are pioneering right now. Mm -hmm. And I believe that with the exponential way that things can multiply, you know, through the internet and et cetera, Mm -hmm. that we can heal more rapidly. As long as we don't get caught again, this is back to something that we, I don't think we were recording. We were talking about, we don't get caught in the like performance of what consciousness is supposed to look like, dress like, fuck like, this is conscious. So as long as we don't get caught in that culturally and we go to the real authentic raw truth, which you are clearly embodying, I have a deep respect for you, then I think we're going to make some serious headway. Yeah, we need to be real. I said to you in the beginning, I've seen some of the deepest, most transformative men's work done in you know a back room with a bunch of guys in jeans and t-shirts no fanfare no face paint no hype no drums no chanting just like hey man you're in trouble and we all see it and we love you way too much to let you walk out of this room and pretend that the way you're living isn't hurting yourself and other people so let's do this like that to we gotta deal with the truth we gotta deal with what's real so thank you for that. I'm not sure if I, I think your prior question was multifaceted and I only hit one part. Are you satisfied with the answer? Would you like to delve into that a little further? I am satisfied. Beautiful. So Traver, how can women support? What can we do to bless our men? It's a beautiful question. I appreciate you asking. The answer oftentimes upsets women because it's it's like let us do our thing and i can't speak as someone who's walked a single moment in your bodies on this planet in this country so i don't know it's like saying to someone who's been hit a lot just trust that you're not going to get hit next time i imagine that's what it's like to hear that but trust that like this is work we need to do with each other that's the the thing when I grab men and say, well, he's like, well, can I, can I have my, no, you can't have your wife do this. We need to do this. You and I need to do this. Brothers, we need to get together to do this. 
And so I feel like it's asking you to be patient as a like tanker, you know, like slowly turns its itself like, oh, we're going to go one degree a year, but we're doing it. And just believe that there is critical mass is forming. You know, when I wrote my book four years ago, people were like, no one's going to read this. No one gives a shit. Men aren't going to read it. Men aren't going to spend money on it. Men, you're like, literally you are career suiciding right now. And yet I have workshops of men filled almost for the entire year ahead of time. Mm. And that wasn't even happening two years ago. People were like, what the hell are we going to do together on a weekend? And now it's, it's happening. So one, let us do this. We're going to do it. Trust that. And then two, if you're in an intimate relationship with a man, recognize that, that he is now being asked by me, by culture, and by other men to start doing his life with his left hand. And so he's going to drop some glasses. He's going to fumble with the door a couple times. He's going he's gonna to fuck up. Mm-hmm. He's going to make mistakes. And so allow him to have that same humanity and, and realize that he needs encouragement and like almost distant support more than he needs a cheerleader or more than he needs, especially someone pulling him into it. So yes, yeah, celebrate the hell out of him if he's doing, when he's doing the work. Call him forward when the ways he's not. You can say, hey, you know, I don't think that's who you want to be. That's not what you said you want to be when you've talked to me. And then I would say support him in all the ways you would want to be supported if you were doing something that's new and relatively terrifying to you. Do you have a relationship with God? I do. And in your relationship with God, is God male and female? I don't even think I'd put a gender on either one. Mm -hmm. It's like asking if the light coming out of my light bulb is male or female, (laughs) or if my electricity is male or female. Um, I view just, I think, theoretically, hierarchically in my mind, the divine as feminine. Mm. The Holy Spirit was originally feminine, actually. I don't believe, if you want to ask this specifically, I don't think there's a white dude with a beard in the sky who's going to punish me for like doing bad things while also giving me free will. And then also telling me if I fall in love with another dude, I'm going to burn for eternity. I, have, I don't really buy that whole thing. Right. My experience of the divine has been more feminine than masculine, but I still wouldn't put a, mm. a gender on it. One of the things we talk about here in Global Sisterhood is how whether you believe in God as an entity or or more of like a universal energy or an intelligence for 4,000 years of of worshiping this like father sky God, this white dude with the beard, right? That being the source of creation in the myths that has shaped some of the deeper levels of our consciousness. And so this restoring of the idea of mother God, mm. goddess, mm. right now is so important just to even the, the deep psyche. And so we ask all our guests to tune in to the great mother energetically. This is our final question, by the way. Sure. And we ask if you could tune into the divine feminine, the great mother, and she could speak through you for all of us, what would she have you say? Hmm. 
keep going. I've had conversations with a divine feminine God, uh, and it was life-changing. Because really it was a conversation, I believe, with the collective feminine. And it was a wild one, and it put me on my knees. And I got up from my knees a number of times, uh, petulantly, and was put back down on my knees. And so keep going seems as unpoetic and unenlightened as anything I think I've said in the last hour and a half, but I feel like I am being used well by mm. whatever's up there or whoever's up there or however we want to define it. I would it. most certainly agree. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. So can you share about where to find you, where if someone's interested in finding your work? Sure. So I am on Instagram at Traver Bohm, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. Uh, everything else is Man Uncivilized. So manuncivilized.com. Uh, I have a podcast, The Uncivilized Podcast. Um, but if, I am not hard to find. Mostly I spend my time, even though I'm trying to spend less and less time there uh, on Instagram. But uh, manuncivilized.com gets you all of my membership, book, stuff, what I'm doing, where I'm doing it, the initiations for you men out there. Like These are amazing, amazing weekends. I have two co-teachers in Dewey Freeman, if you know that name. He was a teacher at Naropa for 30-plus years. He's, t- he's trained almost every therapist in Colorado, started the Gestalt Institute of the Rockies, started the Gestalt Equine Institute of the Rockies, and as like a 70-year-old cowboy who's a savant at trauma. Mm. And then Michael Gay, who's just another brilliant, brilliant therapist who spent a number of years of his life living in the woods, guiding teenagers and, and helping uh, troubled youth. And the three of us together put together a pretty unique experience. Wow. Yeah, manuncivilized.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. It was such an honor to have you here and to have this conversation. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Global Sisterhood, you can follow us on Instagram at the Global Sisterhood, or you can tune in to one of our programs. Just go to globalsisterhood.org. If you would like to join one of our circles or programs and dive in deeper and have these conversations yourself with us, we would love to invite you in deeper, sister. So just go to globalsisterhood.org to learn more. Okay, talk to you next time.